Welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And this is Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Zomi, breast pumps approved by lactation consultants and loved by moms. And today's episode is also brought to you by Cake Maternity. Cake Maternity stocks one of the largest ranges of maternity and nursing bras. And we will hear more from our sponsors a little later. But you can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check out our sponsors. Check out our sponsor page if you need anything and see if you can give them any of your business because they make this podcast possible. And while you're there, scroll down and enter your email address and you'll get our episodes sent straight to your inbox every week. And now Diane has our review of the week. And it comes from our email. It comes from badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. And this is from Victoria and baby Leo. And this was in response to the episode breastfeeding problem or developmental milestone. Hi, amazing people. I saw your podcast recommended on my mama Facebook groups and I just finished this episode. I'm just crying because I'm a full-time mom to my five-month-old, hasn't been eating well, and I've been breastfeeding since birth. You answered all my questions and anxieties, and I'm so grateful. So many lost hours of sleep and tears worrying that my breastfeeding days were over. Thank you. Can't wait to listen to more. I got to be honest, I forgot we did that episode, but that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, now that I, I think about it, like the, because it, I mean, it is a lot of times there is people have questions about like, okay, why is my baby doing A, B, and C? And it's like, okay, that's not a breastfeeding problem, but we make everything a breastfeeding problem. Everything. So. Yeah. And I love it when the episodes actually answer people's questions. I hate it when people are like, hey, I just listened to this episode and I have one more question. And then their question, I'm like, damn it, I should, we should have talked about <laughs> in that episode. <laughs> Yes, we're not perfect, you guys. We're no, really I know. Well, that. yeah, I mean, yeah. and it's hard to fit everything in every topic and every episode and every single little individual situation, but we try. Yeah. And at least you know that if there is something we don't cover, you can, you know, definitely shoot us a message. And yes, and her email address is Diane Cassidy, IBCLC at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> and I will answer your, <laughs> your messages. Yes. Um, that's what I spend most of my time doing, actually, which is why I don't have any money. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for sending us this review and for letting us know that that was a really helpful episode for you because we do hope that, you know, when we think of these episodes, we're kind of going off by questions people send us and stuff that we see. And we're like, well, this, we really need more information on this. So let's put this out into the universe. So I'm really glad that was helpful for you. Oh, yeah. So thanks. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about a couple of really controversial topics because that's what we like to do. Yes, we do. We absolutely love that part. It's, <laughs> it's what we live for, actually. Yeah. The reason why we started this podcast was to just piss people off and, you know, make them think. But yeah, we're going to talk elimination diets and caffeine. Yep. We first were only going to do caffeine. And then we were like, oh, maybe that's just not enough. But actually, now that I've been like doing a little research and stuff, it might've been enough, but we're also going to, we're going to touch on those elimination diets because caffeine falls right into that, obviously right into that um, role of, should I eliminate it? Should I not? I was told I can't have it. What do I do? And then, and then um, yeah. yeah, but then a lot of, so I do want to preface this by saying that a lot of the information that I did find that we're going to touch on today has to do with cow's milk protein allergies and the whole elimination diet when it comes to that. I did not intend to talk about that on this episode because I feel like that's a whole episode on its own. 
Mm-hmm. But it definitely did come up a lot. And a lot of the research was talking about eliminating how eliminating cow's milk and eliminating other things because a lot of people, when their babies are fussy, they eliminate all sorts right, of stuff. They start, yeah. So you can't really talk about elimination diets without at least touching on the whole cow's milk thing. So we are going to um, bring that up for a minute as well. Now, did cool. you, when your kids were breastfeeding, did you ever think like, oh, I got to give this up or I got to take this out of my diet? You know what? I never, I of all the problems that I had, it wasn't that. I never really questioned, um, I questioned alcohol, you know, I was like, how much, you know, or is that okay? Um, caffeine, I, I will be honest, I don't drink caffeine. I haven't had caffeine in 25 years. Oh if my I gosh. had caffeine, you'd have to call a fucking ambulance. <laughs> I can't handle it. My, I just cannot handle it. So I don't have that in my diet. So that was not a thing um, for me. But as far as like, is my baby reacting to something that I'm eating? I never, probably because nobody put it in my head. I didn't go down that road. Um, yeah. So I was lucky in that sense. Um, but yeah, I, was, I didn't do the elimination diet thing, but I know so many people that do. Oh my God. So many. I am not a... I was not a coffee drinker when my kids were born, at least not much like here and there, you know, like, um, but not like, oh my gosh, I have to have a cup of coffee or, you know, every yeah. morning. Now, now that's me. Like I am definitely more of a coffee person now, as I sit here, like holding my cup of coffee while I'm doing this, but <laughs> I, I definitely am more of a coffee person. Um, now, not because of the caffeine though. It really, cause ca- like I could drink a cup of coffee and then go to bed. Like it really, the caffeine does not impact me as far as sleep. I think it's just more of like a habitual thing. Whereas yeah, just like, well, oh, you've probably adjusted just- to that amount of caffeine. Your body is used to that. So yeah. you would have to have more in order for it to interrupt your sleep. Yeah. And it really just doesn't happen. So, um, so yeah, so I'm more, you know, so I am a coffee drinker or tea, like sometimes I'll do tea or whatever. Um, but I used to be a Diet Coke drinker. Mm-hmm. I was that for a long time and then gave that up, I don't know, years and years ago. But that's probably more of what I drank when I had my kids. And, you know, nobody ever said, oh, you shouldn't be drinking. You know, like it just never came up. Like it just never, yeah. you know, really just didn't come up. Um, and as far as like elimination diet stuff, like if my kids, yeah, just nobody ever really, you know, here and there, somebody maybe would have said, oh, your baby's fussy. Maybe you're, you know, you're eating this or you're eating that and, you know, would piss me off. But I never thought, oh, yeah, like it's just this whole, my kid's allergic to my milk. I need to give up all this. Food. Yeah, I think people I think things come into like trend. Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh my God, here's the thing that people are doing now, things that we're discovering and things that are happening, and then more and more people are doing it. So the truth behind the caffeine, caffeine is absolutely okay when you are breastfeeding. So there's I know there's some debate about it with pregnancy. Right. And I usually like when I do um breastfeeding classes prenatally, I would ask about like, does anybody give up caffeine while you're pregnant? And like, probably like half the class does and half the class doesn't, mm-hmm. or they'll cut back. Um, if, you know, maybe to like from two cups a day to like a cup a day or something like that. But it really, it's funny because like some people will tell me, oh, my doctor told me that I should try to give it up or cut it back. And then some people will say, oh, my di- my doctor told me it was not a big deal. So I kind of feel <laughs> like it's, there's really just no you know, structure to that at all. Yeah. 
So then you get to breastfeeding and people are like, oh no, you can't have it. It's like yeah. when you're pregnant, it goes directly <laughs> to the fetus. Right. So when you're breastfeeding, everything gets metabolized. So it's like, it's way better <laughs> when you're breastfeeding than when you're pregnant. Mm. But what is too much and what is not too much? I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, the concern. It, it shouldn't be like, all or nothing. Now people say, oh, well, yeah, if you breastfeed or if you breastfeed and if you drink caffeine or if you drink coffee or, you know, soda or whatever, your baby's going to be jittery. Like that's not necessarily the case. And I think that's a pretty blanket statement. Like it's, you know, not like, okay, yeah, that's what's going to happen. So they've done research on this and they've determined that a certain amount of caffeine is fine for breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And that certain amount of caffeine is like between 300 and 500 milligrams a day. So what does... And how, how many milligrams is are is in a cup of coffee? So in an eight ounce cup of coffee, you're looking at about 95 milligrams. Oh, so you can have quite a bit. Yeah. So it doesn't having- surprise me for some reason. You thought it was more. I thought no, it was I, more. Th- no, oh. I was. No, it doesn't surprise me that. Oh, it doesn't surprise. It, it you. doesn't surprise me that you can have a, a lot of caffeine because again, it's like going through your breast milk. It's not like you're pregnant. Right. Exactly. Starbucks. Now, when you look it up, though, like Starbucks coffee is like significantly higher amounts yeah. of caffeine. So you kind of, you know, if you really worry about it, you might want to take that into consideration. But overall. Well, it's First also because there's no eight ounce thing at Starbucks. Right. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, true it's too. like a bucket of coffee. <laughs> and it is super strong. And I order those. Don't worry, though. I'm not judging. Oh, my God. So, what do you get? The decaf? I do get decaf. Yeah. You get decaf. Which, you know, still has caf- it, caffeine. Yeah. That's what it's Like a little bit. Yeah. It's got very, like a little bit. Very in little. It. Yeah. Very small amounts. So, there was one study. Now, and the other thing with it, so we're saying like what, like 300 to 500 milligrams of caffeine while you're breastfeeding is fine. What is recommended for a normal human being for normal caffeine consumption is like 300 to 500 milligrams caffeine. So it really is not (laughs) any different than what your daily intake should be anyway before you get to the point where your system is like turning to mush (laughs) over caffeine, right? So there have been, there are some really, um, there are some really interesting studies that have been done about this, but there was one that I read years ago that I never really forgot about that I had to kind of come back to again. And it was called potentially toxic foods while breastfeeding, garlic, caffeine, mushrooms, and more. What? I know. It's ridiculous. People make up the stupidest (laughs) shit. I swear to God. So like the, (laughs) in this study, and then there was a whole like, letter i don't even want to say letter but there was like a, a to the editor yeah about this study yeah so that in and of it that's what i like actually wanted to kind of address because in this and this study was so ridiculous they were talking about people that were drinking 20 cups of coffee a day and oh. how that impacted their, ba- their themselves yeah. and their baby like that's not a normal intake of caffeine well i feel like this is cultural too because we don't like in our country we don't like think about like we're such an a culture of excess that like we don't like think about how people are like okay you know ca- caffeine is fine and then so people go out and drink like 50 ca- you're like no we're not supposed to be drinking that much caffeine anyway right yeah like it's- you know it's like it's the thing with alcohol alcohol is fine well why would you want to be like fall down drunk around your baby what who said that 
<laughs> Jesus. Why not? Call us. Simmer down, man. Were <laughs> you frat boy? Like, this is like not, we are like, we automatically think that people mean like drinking coffee all day or like, you know, puking in your, on your floor. Right. Like, yeah, God. there's a little bit of a difference there. So what this says in the, um, the rebuttal article says that, um, published in the past 30 years, like some reviews that have been published from five studies in the past 30 years has found that heavy caffeine consumption, 300 to 500 milligrams daily. Now this thing is actually it's saying that that's heavy. That's everywhere else I look says it's pretty normal. By nursing mothers does not have consequences on heart rate or sleep of infants. In contrast, the uptake, uptake of caffeine by breast milk has been extensively studied. The intake of caffeine by babies whose nursing mother's intake was 500 milligrams per day has been estimated to be as low as 0.3 to 1.0 milligrams. So what they're saying is it really doesn't do anything. <laughs> Like it's what are we all getting worked up about? The studies that we're finding don't show an increased heart rate or sleep issues for your baby when these parents are drinking 500 milligrams of caffeine. Detectable amounts of caffeine have been found in almost all donor milk samples. So when they looked at donor milk, 97% of them had detectable amounts of caffeine in them too. Well, so and with- co- like, uh, like f- there's other things that have caffeine in it too. Exactly. Yeah. And then people say too, like, oh, you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't eat chocolate. You should, it's like, really? Yeah, I'll fight you. I, how dare you tell a parent, a new parent, (laughs) they can't have chocolate. How dare you? Nobody would ever say that. I know. It's ridiculous. But, um, it does have caffeine in it. Mm -hmm. Without a scientific bias, restrictive popular myths or medical warnings about diet for nursing mothers can be too hard to follow and become barriers to breastfeeding. That I'm really glad that they said that in here because it's very true. And yeah. in conclusion, we think that this is a time to stop attributing harm to caffeine and breast milk because this recommendation might produce harm rather than avoid it. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's very, very true. Like it doesn't to tell parents you have to eat and drink a certain way in order to breastfeed, first of all, is not accurate. Right. And second of all, is very discouraging. Well, right. And then that's why breastfeeding and breastfeeding advocates and things like that get this bad name because they're like, well, you are making us do something that's too hard and you're, it's just too hard and it's all this and that. And it's like, no, but it's not. I mean, it is, it is really hard and it's not right for some people and all of that. But like a lot of the things that people think are, are, is incorrect. Mm-hmm. about what you need to give up and what you need to do and the way that you're supposed to do this. And of course, all the societal barriers, first of all, make it very difficult. So I get that. But all these other things, like, well, I had to do this and I have to do that and I have to pump and I have to eat that and I have to do that. No, no, but, but that's not true. And then it's this extra barrier. Right. I mean, if you have a baby that's, you know, like up, especially your newborn and you are a caffeine drinker and they're up eating half the night. And then somebody tells you, you can't drink coffee to get through your day. I know. And you know, so you're going to be like, well, screw this. Yeah. Whole exactly. Breastfeeding baby thing. This is too hard. Right. 
And that's, you know, kind of the name of the theme of the game when we're talking about elimination diets. And that's a lot of what I was finding when we were doing, when I was looking um, at caffeine, but then started looking at elimination diets as a whole. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what these research studies are saying is this is too hard on parents and it's going to cause a decrease in breastfeeding. Right. And it, and it's, there's no, and there's little scientific evidence for that's exactly it's it. need. Yep. That's the thing. So should we look at the cow's milk protein and other elimination stuff after our, our people? Sure. After our ads? Mm-hmm. sure. That's fun. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Zomi. Breast pumps approved by lactation consultants and loved by moms. Zomi's unique alternating mode design works with you to make expressing breast milk as comfortable and easy as possible. Their pumps have hospital-grade strength, are portable, BPA-free, and best of all, covered by all insurances. The new Zomi Z2 features three different pumping styles, which you can further tailor for comfort, massage, expression, and two-phase mode, expression and massage. The Zomi Z2 is a closed pump system that prevents milk from backing up in the tubing. It also comes with a lithium battery and a micro USB port with cable for connecting to a power source ideal for working and traveling. Zomi understands how crucial breastfeeding and pumping are to motherhood, so they made it easier with their double electric breast pumps. Check out Zomi at Zomi.com, that's Z-O-M-E-E.com, and use code BADASS20 for 20% off your purchase. Today's episode is also brought to you by Cake Maternity. Cake Maternity is a nursing bra specialist, is passionate about breastfeeding and the many benefits it offers for parent and bub and the environment. Breastfeeding, whilst natural, doesn't always come naturally to everyone. That's why they made it their mission to empower breastfeeders as they mindfully navigate the world of parenthood and help, mes- help make breastfeeding easier through experience-driven innovation. Cake Maternity stocks one of the largest ranges of maternity and nursing bras, which include Seamless, sleep, flexible wired, non-wired, sports, padded, plunge, t-shirt, and fuller busted bras in sizes ranging from 30A to 42K US. With 13 years of experience under their belt, Cake Maternity is renowned for their quality, fit, and support. Cake Maternity has you covered for your maternity and nursing bra needs. Head to Cake Maternity, cake like birthday cake, CakeMaternity.com and use code BADASS15 for 15% off of your order. These sponsors and their promo codes can be found at BadassBreastfeedingPodcast.com under our show notes under this episode. Our show notes will also include further information about things we talk about in this episode. And at BadassBreastfeedingPodcast.com, you will also find our breastfeeding resources all of our other episodes, and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane, where you can ask her all of your questions. All of them. Yes, absolutely. All the questions. So I know so many parents who have completely altered their diet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And usually it comes from a medical provider usually recommends to, okay, let's give up dairy. Let's, you know, go on this elimination diet. Um, let's give up. You, I used to hear like more stuff, but yeah. now really it's, yeah. it's mostly 
you know, dairy. And then if it goes on, if the, if that doesn't help, then they go, you know, soy. And then if that doesn't help, then they do egg. And then if that, Mm. so it's like, okay, when are we just going to. You can't eat anything. You just have to shrivel up and die. (laughs) So it really like, and I kind of feel like if, if something's not, if you do, if, if you're doing an action to get rid of an action and it's not helping, then that's probably not the problem. Right. Right. Yeah. So whenever somebody tells me, Oh, I just gave up dairy. I always say, is it helping just because I want like, okay, are we noticing that it's helping? Cause if it's not, that's probably not the issue. Yeah. And then, and then they'll be like, well, it takes like six months for it to get out of your body. Oh, and that's another (laughs) thing. Like you hear it like, it takes two weeks. It takes a week. It takes 30 days. It takes 20 days. Longer and longer. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I would think it would have to do with like how much you eat. Of it, like, yeah, probably, yeah. And at some point, like, it's going to be leaving your system, so it will be making a difference if that's the issue, right? Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's there's really there's so much chaos around it. So, a couple of the things. First of all, it, not even just the cow's milk, but that is the one that usually gets the most. That's the mo- gets attention. the most play. Yeah, yeah, it really does get the most play. But one of the things that I read in a study that I, I did find a couple of really good studies, and one of them did say a 2018 Cochrane review of dietary interventions for treating colic concluded current evidence, currently evidence of the effectiveness of dietary modifications for the treatment of infantile colic is sparse and at significant risk of bias. The European Academy of Allergy and Clinical Immunology position paper could only make a grade C or D recommendations about the value of maternal exclusion diets for managing infant symptoms associated with food allergy. And a Cochrane review of dietary exclusions for treating eczema found little good quality evidence to support the use of exclusion diets in atopic eczema. Um, they're also saying that the association between cow's milk allergy and common symptoms such as crying, vomiting, or rashes in breastfed infants who are not ingesting cow's milk directly is more controversial. So all of the research that I was reading was saying that it really is, there is such limited science behind ingesting, a, a parent ingesting milk and it affecting their infant. And one of the things, and I never really realized this either, and I think it was very, I think it's very interesting, is that they're saying that it's not the amount of, of milk that a parent ingests is not enough to mm. actually cause an allergy, an actual allergy for a mm. baby. Um, it is, they also say that it really has increased a lot the prevalence of cow's milk allergy mm. um cow's milk protein allergy in in infants and they're saying that's like the actual prevalence of it is like one percent mm. whereas how many people say that they think that that's what's going on with their baby and it's never really an actual diagnosis either. Everybody's like, oh, this is what this, you know, why don't you just give this up and let's, yeah. you know, your, well, your baby people, must be again, allergic like, to, to milk. Yeah. And people are flailing about with very little information, trying to figure out what's wrong with their babies. Yes. And sometimes nothing's wrong with them. Sometimes something, I guess, you know, I mean, 
obviously the parent knows best if something's wrong. Um, and people swear that when they gave up such and such that their baby, you know, seemed better. And then by all means, like, give it up, you know, right. like, you know, your body and you know your baby. But a lot of times it's just like, a lot of times it's no, normal newborn ba- baby stuff that, and we don't, we're not used to them. You know, yep. they're so weird and they're, <laughs> we don't know what they're doing. And so we're like, oh my God, something's wrong. I mean, I've totally been there. Yeah. And so then it's like, well, what's happening? And everyone's just sort of flying by the seat of their pants. And I mean, even, you know, doctors with their limited lactation information should at least be able to say like, you know, a fussy baby is normal. You know, but Mm -hmm. they're just like, oh, well, let's do this. Let's do that. It's just so like intervention oriented instead of like education. You know, like, here's what they're going to be doing. Here's what to expect. And that's what a lot of these studies are saying, that a lot of it is just normal infant behavior that we're taking as, okay, this must be, there must be something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, it's not, that's not the case. And we see this all the time with diet. You know, I have people all the time who say to me, well, my baby was really fussy. And then I thought about what I ate and I ate this spicy food. So that must have been it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, they were just fussy. Yeah. Just, I, that's there's it. also this confusion too, that like you, like there's a direct pipe in your body that goes like your esophagus is attached to your nipple. <laughs> yeah, And like when you swallow your food and it just goes right out your nipple and that's not what happens. You know, you're eating your food, it goes into your system and your breast milk is made from your blood, not from the contents of your stomach. Right. So an interesting piece of this, which we will not be surprised if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, if you're, this is the first episode that you're listening to, then get ready. But (laughs) prescriptions of specialized formula products for managing cow's milk allergy protein have risen steeply since the turn of the 21st century. For example, data from Australia and England show a tenfold rise in amino acid formula prescriptions between 2000 and 2010 and 2000 and 2005 and 2018. So they feel like a lot of this is being driven by guess who? Formula companies. Exactly. Because it is increasing the amount of specialized formula that's being put out here into the environment. Well, yeah. I mean, their bottom line is to make money, right? I mean, that's their goals in a capitalist country. And these formula companies are huge trillion dollar companies. And if breastfeeding gets, you know, if we start supporting breastfeeding and we start normalizing breastfeeding, they're going to lose money. Right. And so, you know, they change their marketing. Well, now we have these special, this is what it can help with. And your, your baby might be allergic to this. And, right. You know, I'm not going to keep saying, like, if you want to use, I say it all the time because, you know, otherwise people get mad. If you want to use formula, use formula. I did too. Like. I did too. It's it, whatever. That's yeah. not what we're talking about. We're talking about the formula companies that are spreading information that's not accurate and actually interrupting the process of people breastfeeding when that's what they want to be doing. So one of the things it says in here, and this comes, this 
article that I am reading from, or this research that I'm reading from comes from um, the American Medical Association. So it's not like it's from some like, you know, it comes from JAMA, which is um, General of American Medical Association. So they're saying here, formula manufacturers gain from increased cow's milk allergy diagnosis through increased sales of specialized formula products. They may have played an important role in disseminating the idea expressed in many CMA guidelines that strict cow's milk exclusion can alleviate common infant symptoms. See, it's not just me saying it. No, it's not. (laughs) Definitely not. We see you formula companies. We know what's going on. Cow's milk allergy is reported by parents in up to 14% of young children. I feel like it's way more than that, actually. Um, Less than what it actually is, is less than 1%. For like actual diagnosed, yes, you really, your child really does have a cow's milk protein allergy issue Mm -hmm. is like less than 1%. So the evidence base for advising maternal's cow's milk exclusion to manage common symptoms in breastfed infants is therefore weak, both at the clinical trial level and at the level of mechanistic reasoning and both without proven CMA to the infant. And I think that's very, very important because sometimes people be like, my baby's fussy. Okay, give up, give up dairy. They give it up and they go, oh, there must have been a cow's milk protein problem. Mm, and it's mm-hmm. like, that's not a, that's not a scientific you know, like, no, that we don't know that that's actually what's happening here mm-hmm. at all. And they did, you know, they are saying that um, association between cow's milk allergy and common symptoms such as crying, vomiting, rashes in breastfed infants who are not ingesting, like I said, not ingesting it is controversial. So the mothers, they actually looked at how much milk mothers were taking in or, or breastfeeding parents were taking in. And they said it really was not enough. Even even babies that had proven cow's milk protein allergy, the amount of dairy the mother was actually taking in was not enough to trigger response. So, and I try to tell parents that when they when because they'll ask me or they'll say like I think I have a you know I'm giving up dairy. The pediatrician told me to give up dairy. There's cow's milk protein problem. Blah blah blah. All this stuff. And I'll be like, well, how much milk do you drink? Or how much dairy do you eat? Oh, barely, you know, really not much at all. So probably, you know, maybe I might have some ice cream or maybe I'll have a yogurt a day or, you know, like something very minimal. It's mm-hmm. like, that's not enough. That is not enough to do it. So yeah, it really, we need to really, yeah, we need to think about like how much I had a mom tell me one time that her pediatrician told her to give up dairy and she was lactose intolerant herself. So she didn't even eat it. Oh. <laughs> but it was like, that's what they told her to do. Yeah. But it's like, see, she still had the symptoms. They still had the symptoms that everybody says is the cow's milk protein allergy. And mom herself did not drink any, did not ingest any dairy because she can't tolerate it. So why would we, like, why are we painting everybody with the same brush? That's just yeah. not accurate. And it causes, then the bottom line is that they're saying in these articles is that it's causing distress on parents. And it's unnecessary and it's driving the specialized formula. I mean, so we're, we're just losing our, our breastfeeding parents to this because honestly, if it were like as much of a breastfeeding advocate as I am, if I had to give up all sorts of food, I mean, I would find that really, really difficult. 
If I, you know, yeah. if, I, if I were trying to go through it myself, I don't know I could do it. If I was, you know, worried that every single thing I put into my mouth was harming my baby, because that's what everybody's telling you, that would really just, that would really mess with my head. Yeah, that would be very, yeah. You would just say, well, God, I'm poisoning my baby with my breast milk. Uh-huh. I got to stop. Let me just go to this formula where I know that it's the well, same, yeah. the same ingredient every single minute of every time you give it to them. Right. And it and, says on the label what's in here and it says on the label what it's good for. And it's, you know, I know what's in here. Yeah. So it's, it really is, we need to really be cautious. A lot of, um, find that a lot of just, a lot, we kind of, you know, obviously self-diagnose too, right? So we have a fussy baby and we start to Google and, you know, it's like, that's where you end up. They just start eliminating stuff from our diets and people say, Oh, eliminate the caffeine. Everybody says caffeine can do it. Eliminate the, you know, the, the milk, eliminate all dairy, eliminate all this stuff because that's what it is. And that's just a really hard thing to do. And I mean, it's, just wrap your head around it for a minute. It's just a really hard thing to do. So you want to be really, 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 I mean, we have to think about this kind of objectively, which is hard to do when you're a new parent, right? Oh yeah. But if we think about objectively, we'd be like, okay, my baby's really fussy and we just want to help our babies, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with them. It could just be a fussier baby, too. Yeah. I mean, babies are fussy. That's the other thing is I, that, I, again, like with the newborn stuff, we just don't understand what they, what they do. Mm-hmm. And how when they're so fussy and it's bothering us so much that it's possible that nothing's actually wrong. Right. We can't really fathom that, oh, they're just, they're fussy. Maybe there is a reason I can't figure it out right now and what they need is for me to just hold them or spitting up is a lot is a big one too. Oh, my baby's spitting up. I, you know, I was told I should give up dairy. It's like, baby, it's just spit up. Like they just, they spit up all the time. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a lot of controversy around it. Um, We were just kind of like scratching the surface with a little bit of it today, but the bottom line is, do not feel like you need to rush into eliminating things from your diet because that is not scientifically, that's not the answer. So if you you feel strongly about it, then go for it. If it doesn't make sense to you or it's kind of coming as a surprise to you, then look around a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And see if there's another, you know, another reason why, you know, another something else that might be going on. Um, but it's not always the diet. Very rarely, actually, is it the diet. So, so that part's okay. And drink all the caffeine you want. <laughs> yeah, do what it. you need to do to get through the day. Have your chocolate. And I'll link these studies in the in the show notes because they are pretty interesting. Um, you know, keep it under twenty cups a day. And <laughs> other than that, you're good. Thanks, Diane. Yeah, see ya. Bye. Bye.